Hi, I'm Bobby, and today is Friday, June 30th, and this is the Afternoon Special News Hour, the little show where some of the biggest stories from this week get covered and some of the worst jokes in history get told by your friend who knows just a little bit too much about pop culture. So without further ado, let's just get into the news. It's, it was a lot of things happening this week, guys, and so I'm really excited to, to dissect it all with you. Some of the biggest news from this week was we got our our casting for Superman Legacy. So we know that that's a film that's not coming out until 2025, but we do know who's going to be playing Clark Kent slash Superman and Lois Lane. So as Lois Lane, we have Rachel Brosnahan. You probably know who Rachel Brosnahan is. She just wrapped up, I think, a four season stint on The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which was on Amazon Prime. It's one of my favorite shows. She's great. I really loved her in that role. Um, and so I'm super excited that she's going to be Lois Lane. I don't know. There was just something about that casting that really just like made sense to me. Um, so I'm really excited to see her in it. And our Superman slash Clark Kent will be played by David Cornsweet, which if some people know him from Hollywood, which I think was on Netflix, but I remember him from The Politician which was a show with Ben Platt and uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, I think. Um, it was another Ryan Murphy production. Um, and he was just in it, like, in flashback scenes. But I remember him being really great. And I also, like, his casting prompted me to remember that in college, I binged all of The Politician in one night. Why did I do that? I still don't have the answer. Um, but this casting did prompt that memory. And so for some reason, I felt it necessary to share it with you all right now. Um, but that's besides the point. Uh, this man, let me tell you something. David Cornsweet, first of all, looks so much like someone, like if I had to picture, if I had an AI image generator in my mind and I typed in like Superman, Clark Kent, I think of an image of this man would, would would be produced in my mind. He looks so the image of of Superman, this very like altruistic type of guy. And I don't know. I I think it's it's going to be it's going to be good. Apparently he's been like fan cast as as Superman um as early as I was saying it was like 2019 which makes sense when like the politician and everything came out. Um but I'm, I'm super excited to see what he does with the role. Um, I will say that <laughs> I have two very um, dumb observations. The first one being that, you know, this is about as close to, to patriotic as I'm going to get. Um, because Mr. David here is American. And for the last few years, we have only had the Brits playing our superheroes. And so do I feel like... James Gunn was like, you know what, USA, and casted American Superman a little bit, a little bit I do, a little bit I feel that in my heart. Um, second dumb observation is that this man looks like a dead ringer for a mix of Tom Welling and Henry Cavill, who just lost the mantle of Superman um, not too long ago. He was the Snyderverse version of Superman. And this man looks like a perfect mix of both. And I literally tweeted, I was like, I think the casting director of this movie was a big Smallville fan because he looks so much like Tom Welling. It's, it's, it's insane. It's, 
it is insane so i'm like i said i'm excited to see like what what he does with the role i saw him uh, i saw a quote from him and like i think it might have been 2019 around that time where he's hoping that uh superman will be kind of played like you know we've gotten the gritty you know hyper-realistic version of superman as hyper-realistic as superman can get um with the snyderverse version but like he said he was hoping for kind of a more you know upbeat and fun superman and i am hoping like if that's how his approach to this he's got my support that's all i'm saying um because i superman is an altruistic being why is he doom and gloom mr doom and gloom that's what i think just never fully attracted me to the snyderverse version of the characters um because i would just be really sad <laughs> and so i'm hoping that you know with this new direction that the DC is taking, that we kind of move into making superheroes a little bit, a little bit fun again. So congratulations, David, and congratulations, Rachel. Very excited to see what you guys do with that role. Big news uh, in the world of Barbie, the Barbie Malibu Dreamhouse dream that all of us have had, and I'm speaking for all of us and totally not just myself, has finally been realized. There is a real Malibu dream house that has been built and constructed in Malibu, obviously. Um, and it's Ken and Barbie's dream house. So Ken is kind of the, uh, he's the hostess with the mostest for this dream house. And it's funny because as far as dream houses go, Ken has never really had his own dream house. It's always been Barbie's house and he's just kind of been mooching on the couch. So this is really exciting that it's going to be kind of Ken and Barbie's dream house. Um, where I'm sure Barbie is allowing him to do more things, but it exists. It's real. It is pink. It's beautiful. Um, stunning, radiant. And apparently you can potentially win a chance to stay for a night in the, in the Malibu dream house. So the dream house was constructed in partnership with Airbnb. Airbnb has done kind of like a lot of screen to real life type of activations like this before one of which from recent memory was i think last year or maybe two years ago for the 20th anniversary of the american cinematic classic that is scooby-doo um released in 2002 live action scooby-doo they made a real like mystery machine that you could stay in um it was literally just a van so it was like van life um but the mystery machine so they did that and they've done a couple of other partnerships with some famous like movie and tv franchises so this is just yet another addition um it's this massive massive dream house like it is it is everything that you would think a real dream house would be it seems like it's like three stories it's super pink it's got i think two pools it's it's nuts but you can win a chance to uh book the ken's ken's room in barbie's dream house um I think it opens on July 17th at 10 a.m. Pacific time. And you can go to airbnb.com slash Ken Dreamhouse to potentially win a one night stay uh, in the Dreamhouse. So that's exciting. I, I'm i not going to say that I'm not going to try and win a night in this Dreamhouse <laughs> because I am just so curious and I love Barbie so much that I feel like this is this is the culmination of my life is leading up to this point. I think I need to do this. But on the Barbie movie side, as we're gearing up for for the release of 
movie of the year Barbie on July 21st. Uh, we have kickstarted the press tour. So the press tour kicked off in Toronto. Uh, I think as of recording this yesterday, uh, we had Ryan Gosling and Simu Liu. They were in Toronto, like doing a whole event. I think uh, Margot Robbie, Greta Gerwig, Issa Rae, and America Ferreira are in Sydney, Australia right now, and they're doing press. So this big press tour that they announced a couple weeks ago is officially kicked off and it's pink and it's frilly. Margot and everyone else has been delivering look after look after look. It's referential. It's fun. It's sparkly. It's everything that I needed it to be. So I'm very excited about that. Um, but there was some some news from the, the set of Barbie. So apparently the president of Mattel flew to London where they were filming the, the movie to kind of get into a bit of a spat with Margot Robbie and Greta Gerwig because there was a scene that was a bit off-brand for for Barbie. Now, famously, this movie is being done in collaboration with Mattel. Like, this is not being done as some, like, kind of guerrilla art piece that's happening outside of the realm of Mattel. Like, they are very much involved in this process. They are very much, like, you know, there to make sure that this feels authentically like Barbie. And I think all of us can attest that it has felt very authentically Barbie but apparently there was one scene that didn't really feel that way so apparently this whole thing um the Mattel COO Richard Dickinson flew to the set in London and basically kind of got into this argument with Margot Robbie and Greta Gerwig about the scene that was kind of off-brand for Barbie and Margot Robbie she said all this in a Time magazine kind of about the creation of the film and basically just said that like you know we're going to honor the legacy of Barbie but there are some kind of darker parts of her legacy that if we don't say it someone else will and that in that you kind of lose you lose the narrative you know what I mean so eventually to help kind of convince him of to to keep this scene in the film they had to report basically perform the scene live as if it was a stage play and ultimately that led you know them to convincing him that the scene should stay in the movie and it did um but i think it's just really interesting and i think that's been the kind of interesting bit about barbie is that it is this film that is definitely honoring the legacy of barbie and no one can can fight that but there are parts of Barbie that are less than savory. They're not so pink and fun and, and fabulous. Like there, we have a very torrid history with this doll and everything that she represents. And so I think that the film really is trying to be very upfront and honest with that. And I think that's the best way to approach it because Barbie, you know, depending on who you talk to, might be mired in this just very, just heavy and probably negative viewpoint that may not fully be true, but because she's been around for so long and has been used as props in multiple ways and she is this doll that like Barbie really is everything and everything does include all the negative. And I think some people have chosen to, you know, some people view her as this fashion icon, some people view her as this feminist icon, and some people view her as the opposite of those things. And so I think this movie had the task that I would say quite difficult task of balancing, you know, how do we honor her, but also be honest about the place that she may take in certain parts of society. So it'll be very interesting to see how that plays out in the movie. It'll be very, I'll be very curious to see what scene in the movie um, was basically being referenced with, with this story. Very, very fascinating stuff. 
So moving on into the uh, television landscape, television had a very big week, and I don't necessarily think that it was a good week, but it was a week. It was a week. Um, one of the biggest stories from this week was that we learned that the other two, which was this kind of smash hit that started on Comedy Central and made its way over to being a HBO Max slash Max original and was seemingly just starting to really accrue this, you know, massive like fan base and finally was getting this recognition and we learned that the other two will be ending with the season that just wrapped up airing um i think today as i'm um recording this episode it will end here it will not get a season four which is absolutely devastating because this the show is is really phenomenal but the reasons for it are not so phenomenal so a lot of the reasons for it ending were due to a a slew of complaints uh given to HR for the conditions basically of the show with a lot of the complaints going directly um or being directly about the show's creators, Chris Kelly and Sarah Schneider. Um, there were a ton of staff complaints and there was a formal investigation, which they were allegedly cleared of any wrongdoing. Um, but apparently it just, it kind of got a little bit too out of hand. And so they just decided to, to end the show where it is. It is really tragic that the show was this kind of scathing satire on on the industry you know and so many parts of the industry and i think that was what was so beloved by it um especially for anyone who was an avid tv watcher you they were covering things that you're like oh my god like i never thought that i would see that being played out in the show and they're being really honest about it via these characters um of brooke and carrie who are these two you know people who want to be somebodies and they're trying to slog through what it means to be a somebody in an industry like uh, entertainment. And it just really sucks that it seems like a lot of what they were covering in the show and kind of poking fun at was actively happening behind the scenes, allegedly. Um, It's a real shame. And I, uh, my heart goes out to anyone who, who dealt with any type of, you know, wrongdoing happening while they were just trying to work and just trying to make good tv because ultimately that just that muddies the waters so bad and it's it sucks that you know the cast the writers you know anyone who worked on the show had to have it end kind of abruptly uh due to misconduct um but hollywood is a tricky mistress she is so speaking of uh shows kind of ending abruptly that leads me to hbo's the idol hbo has had quite the quite the week um now i will say there was kind of this uh this myth that began to surge about the idol if you don't know the idol is the show it's on hbo it is starring uh lily rose depp and the weekend um as well as Rachel Sennett and uh, Troy Sivan and a couple other people and uh, Jenny Kim from Blackpink. And it is this show that is um, everything I've learned about it has been against my will. Yeah, yeah, it has. Uh, it just seems very much like it. I don't know how to describe it. It was um, it is being showrun currently by Sam Levinson, who also is a showrunner for Euphoria. If you know Euphoria, you know the kind of general vibe that Euphoria gives, which is just a show that can be summed up in. Oh, wow. You know, um, 
with the things that they're showing and the idol seems to be a version cranked up to an 11 of that uh but in a bit of a different way and um there was this this every week that the idol has been on air i have seen things that have only um i would say uh hurt my mental capacity uh that have only made me cringe out of my skin uh it felt like some things that i was seeing screenshot wise or clip wise especially from the the weekend's character uh in the show during the the sex scenes which i've heard are abysmal um they have made my body take screenshot you know like it was it was like wow you know (laughs) scary it's scary stuff um and overall has not been very well received but has been talked about quite a bit and so there was this kind of uh this this myth urban legend that kind of grew when there was uh talk that the show would be ending this week i'm pretty sure and everyone was like oh ha it ended abruptly like then the the rumor mail started that the show ended abruptly apparently there's something in the last episode that just they couldn't air so they're just ending it and like it's so bad and everything like that but a vox article came out this week that basically was kind of quelling any of those rumors um that the season was shortened because it was not being well received um i think hbo is fully aware of (laughs) everyone's response to the show but the show was not shortened it was always intended to have five episodes um Back in 2021, when the show was first being ordered, which it was a massively different show, apparently, uh, in 2021, when news about it first began to circulate, it was supposed to be six episodes. But then after a few showrunner changes, when Sam Levinson came on and then the show was what it has now become, it was only talked about in uh, per- in the perspective of five episodes. So it's always part of this article has always been intended to be seen as a five episode arc um and so it's not necessarily ending abruptly it's just ending and that was the apparently that was the intended purpose it premiered at can in in may and it was like listed as a five episode series then so it wasn't ever i don't i don't imagine i don't think that in this current iteration of the show it was ever considered to have six episodes it was always intended to have five um so it is just ending um there's no word of if it will receive a season two though some of the cast have done press saying that uh hbo is very happy and that they are floating around the idea of a season two um that the show wasn't meant to be a limited series so we fully don't know what's going to happen with the idol um Am I terrified to find out what happens with it? A little bit, yeah. A little bit, yeah. But I'm not going to watch it. So, you know, it's just, it is what it is. But um, yeah, The Idol did not end abruptly. It just is ending. It was only intended to have five episodes. That's the point. So moving on in a little bit more upbeat, but kind of sad news. Riverdale is is ending. It's been on for four or five years and definitely has been the subject of many a really great internet commentary video about how um 
unique it is. Uh, I will say I've never been like a, an avid Riverdale watcher, but I've seen a clip or two and I appreciate the camp value. It's a show that jumped the shark within the, the first season from what I understand. And they've been jumping the shark. They've been jumping the orca. They've been jumping jumping the beluga whale they've been jumping the great humpback like they've been jumping many a sea creature for for the past couple of years but it just seems like a show where everyone on it is having a good time and i will always respect a show that is like that um right before recording this episode i saw a couple of tiktoks from the cast and they were talking about their last days on set and it just seemed like it was really this group of people who really cared about each other and loved each other, loved these characters, loved these stories with all the twists and turns that they've gone on. Um, it just seems like the writers were having a fun time. It seems like it was probably a writer's room with not too many inhibitions. They were kind of just like, you know what? What if these two characters did this? And they were like, yeah, sure. <laughs> what if, you know? Um, and so I think I will always respect Riverdale for for that for the, the essence of that. And I saw someone saying that like Riverdale is kind of the last show of its kind. And I really do, I would have to agree, like a teen drama in that way, made in that way with the approach that it, it took, um, I think is the last of its kind. And there's a lot of merit to that. And I think, you know, now that it, it's it's ending, I might like circle back and, and check it out because I think it just, everything that I've seen has just been crazier than the last thing that I heard. And honestly, there's something about that that is really enticing to me. Um, if it's not the people on the show who like I've seen on, on TikToks and stuff and I've enjoyed their their content there, it has been my mutual watch with Mike who has been carrying the torch, carrying the torch for Riverdale for as long as I have known him on the internet. And so um, this is this might be the time that I finally indulge and take the plunge on Riverdale. And last, but certainly not least, we have the letter that was written to SAG-AFTRA uh, by a lot of the biggest actors in, in Hollywood, basically saying that if our if we don't reach a deal that actually works for us, we will not hesitate to strike. Um, this letter was, we don't know who penned it, I don't think. Um, but it has accrued many a, a signature from some of Hollywood's biggest, biggest stars, including Meryl Streep and Quinta Brunson. And yes, I am putting those two names right after each other because they are, <laughs> those two women are a very big deal to me. Um, Jennifer Lawrence, Paul Giamatti, uh, Pedro Pascal, Charlize Theron, Joaquin Phoenix, Jamie Lee Curtis, Sarah Paulson, Audrey Platt. Aubrey Plaza, Ewan McGregor, Olivia Wilde, Rose Byrne. Um, and very interestingly enough, the SAG after president right now is Fran Drescher. Uh, so the letter ostensibly was addressed to her, but she did, she did, uh, sign it. So I don't really know what the deal is there, but if you're listening today, technically is the, the deadline, uh, for the, kind of expiration of the contract between SAG-AFTRA and the AMPTP. And if they don't reach an agreement, then SAG will strike. They've already done the authorization vote. It had a high turnout basically saying like, yeah, we authorize a strike. So if they don't reach an agreement that works, SAG will also strike alongside the WGA. 
Um, it'll be very interesting to see if what happens. Um, I'm recording this the day before Friday, so I don't know what happens. Um, hope hopefully as you're listening, there is some news out about what what's going to happen there. There is some um, murmurings from both sides, basically saying that there may be a contract extension going until July 7th, giving more time for both sides to uh, come to an agreement that may work. We don't know if that's going to happen yet. Um, but I do think it will be incredibly effective if the WGA and SAG are both striking together. Uh, the point in all of this is that people need to be more like fairly compensated, more than fairly compensated for the work that they do. Um, from a writer's perspective, from an actor's perspective, like these people are making the art that gets us through our day, you know, and there's so many elements of what they do that trickles down to even beyond the set, even beyond, you know, writing it, even beyond, you know, filming or performing it. Like these shows and movies have this kind of trickle down effect to other parts of the industry and they deserve to be treated with that respect. I don't think that that's a radical statement to say. Um, So case in point, pay the writers, pay the actors, give them what they need, give them what they want, um, because they've provided us with years, decades worth of, of entertainment. And that is invaluable to me. Um, and what they're asking for, I, I, you know, shockingly, you know, maybe, maybe I'm saying something controversial, you got brave. I don't think they're asking for something too incredibly ridiculous. I think they just want to be able to do the work that they love and survive and not, do just surviving, but be able to live, you know, be able to, to afford groceries and rent and be able to create without fear of whether they're going to be able to make rent or they're going to be able to feed themselves that month. Um, a lot of what is going wrong in Hollywood needs to change and it starts here, I think. Uh, a lot of people have described that Hollywood is kind of having this existential crisis and I think it's very true. Like we're reaching this reckoning that has needed to happen for a very long time and it's only been kind of supercharged by everything that's been happening with streaming and uh, it's not sustainable. Something's got to change. So it'll be very interesting to see what the next coming weeks um look like as far as striking goes i know the wga is still going strong um still holding that line and are are still prepared to be out there for as long as it takes for them to reach a deal that makes sense and i'm sure sag will feel the exact same way and um that's all she wrote on it like i think that they are not they're not ready to back down and those of us supporting them are not willing to back down either so Solidarity to both. Uh, I am rooting for you all the way to get what it is that you need. And hopefully they just, they, the powers that be, make the right decision. But that's not up to me. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
So before we wrap up, here are just a few little tidbits, things that weren't full stories or things that I couldn't wax poetic about too, too long, but that I still wanted to mention in the episode anyways. Uh, first off, we had a YouTuber who decided to do a 10 minute long apology with uh, allegations of, of grooming and the like uh, set to a ukulele. Yeah, there was a, a YouTuber who decided, you know what we need? Let's break out a ukulele to to address uh, these allegations, these very serious allegations. And apparently, according to the song, um, again, that was 10 minutes of ukulele music. Um, she was advised by her team and her, uh, you know, legal team basically to be like, hey, you shouldn't say anything about it. Uh, but apparently they never said that she couldn't sing, which is very interesting um, because that is literally a scene from Victorious <laughs> where Cat Valentine played by ariana grande uh literally has a line where she's singing but they said i couldn't sing like if you know that scene you know what i'm talking about but that line in that song that 10 minute ukulele apology video uh literally she was just like they said i couldn't talk about it but they didn't say i couldn't sing about it which i think is fascinating um there's been this uptick in people going to concerts and throwing things at the performers um just a little tidbit, a little industry insider here. Uh, stop doing that. <laughs> stop doing that. If you want the people whose music you love and whose performances you like to watch to continue to be able to do that, you kind of have to stop harassing them on stage by throwing things. A few weeks ago, we saw BB Rexa who had to get stitches because someone threw a phone at her head. Um, this week, I saw someone threw their mother's ashes on stage with pink. What are you people going to these concerts for? What are, what are you doing? What are you doing? Because I, if I'm going to a concert, well, I'm going to a thousand other artists. people on Ticketmaster to hear. And you apparently decided to get a ticket to throw things. Hey, stop doing that. Please stop doing that. That is so not fun. Go to these concerts, listen to the music and go home. You know what I mean? Very, very simple stuff. Anyways, and last but certainly not least, yesterday we got the trailer for Dune Part 2, which stars Timothy Chalamet, Zendaya, Florence Pugh, Austin Butler, you know, all of Hollywood's biggest and brightest. Now, I will say, I'm bearing my truth to y'all right now. Please allow me the space to, to bear my truth. I respect the artistry of Dune. I respect the performances. I respect the direction. I respect the production design. It is ostensibly a, a very stunning film. But the other half of my truth is that if you look at my Max account right now, you will see Dune and you will see that little progress bar firmly planted in the middle, meaning I only got halfway through that movie and it has been this way for at least three months. There is something that my brain just does not process high fantasy or high sci-fi. There is something where my brain and those that genre, they just, they're two ends 
two of the same ends of a magnet. They just don't go to, no matter how much you like force them together, they just don't, they don't go together. And that presents an issue because these are good pieces of media. It's not just Dune, Star Wars, Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings. I've had this problem quite literally since I was a child. None of these things stick to my brain. Have I seen five of the nine Star Wars films? Yes, I have. I have seen nine, five of the nine. Could I tell you what happened in any of those five? Absolutely not. I was watching, but my brain was not logging. My brain was not taking any record. It was quite literally like my eyeballs were doing the job of me watching. And then my brain was like, you know what? We're good. <laughs> we're not going to log this. Um, there's no need to remember. So we're not. It's just something about the sci-fi fantasy genre uh, that just doesn't always stick with, with my brain. And I don't know what it is. I have tried. I have tried. I need you to know the extent to which I have tried. Dune Part 1 has Oscar Isaac in it. And not just any version of Oscar Isaac in it. Bearded Oscar Isaac, who at one point in the film, I'm told, is butt naked on the beach. That was not even enough for me to finish this film. That's how, that's how you know that it is not, it's not the film's fault. It's me. I'm the problem. I know this. I know this in my heart of hearts. I know that I'm the issue here, but I don't know how to fix it. I don't know if exposure therapy is how I do this. So like I just watch a bunch of stuff, but I just don't feel like that's going to help. So we're ending the episode on that on that note. Um, <laughs> I just I tried. I tried so hard. I really did. I gave it my all. I really did. But it just it's just something about it that just doesn't work with my brain, especially when it's like high fantasy and high sci-fi in space oh you lose me <laughs> i'm lost i am so lost but um you know the trailer looked good uh for what it's worth <laughs> for what it's worth the trailer looked great i don't know what's going on um but i'm excited for everyone who is excited about this film and i'm sure that it's gonna take home a bunch of oscars and that's what matters that is what matters I hope you enjoyed this week's episode, Afternooners. If you don't know, the Afternooners is my name for all of us. So if you made it to the end of this episode, congratulations. You're an Afternooner now. If you like this episode, don't forget to rate and review this podcast. If you had a good time, it helps out the pod. You get to tell me how you're feeling about the pod. And I get that sweet hit of praise and validation that is my life force and keeps me going. If you want to know where else to find me on the internet, you can find me at the afternoon special on TikTok or Instagram or over on Twitter at hi, I'm Bobby, H-I-I-M-B-O-B-B-I. And if you're thinking, Bobby, that was a lot of news. I'm not going to remember all of that. Bestie, don't worry, because I put that all in the description down below just for you. You are welcome. I hope you enjoyed this week's afternoon special news hour it was our very first one i had a lot of fun and i hope you did too and that you'll join me again next week for both a pop culture deep dive and another afternoon special news hour later days friends 
Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts. Whether you're in a relationship, single, or recently heartbroken, you could be navigating some tough stuff. And it really can be challenging to do this on your own. We all need help when it comes to our relationships, very specifically, our love lives. I'm Jillian, and each week on my podcast, Jillian on Love, I share skills on how to strengthen our relationships, how to build a stronger sense of self, and how to heal heartbreak and choose better partners. Learn how to start making change today and search for Jillian on Love wherever you're listening now.